In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We continue together our study in the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. We will discuss today chapter 14. Starting from chapter 12, St. Paul spoke about the spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And in chapter 13, he spoke about the most excellent way, the love. And as we explained that if you use your spiritual gifts without love, it is considered abuse. And actually, it will be fruitless. You are not going to bear any fruit. That's why he said, if I have all the knowledge, if I can prophesy, if I have the faith to move mountain, if I have all these gifts, but I do not have love, I am nothing. In chapter 14, St. Paul actually concludes his discussion about the spiritual gifts. Uh, St. Paul in this chapter actually will speak about two gifts, the gift of prophecy and the gifts of tongues. And actually he will compare between these two gifts and he will explain how the gift of prophecy may excel uh, uh, and may actually supersede the gifts of tongue because it edifies others. But the gifts of tongue without interpretation maybe edifies oneself, not others. That's why St. Paul explained clearly, unless the speaking of tongues provide new revelation, new teaching, new prophecy, then actually it will not profit anything. It will be of uh, little good. And also the tongues must be interpreted. Tongues must be interpreted. Also St. Paul spoke about tongues are given as a sign for the non-believers in order to communicate the message of the gospel to the non-believers. And that's why improper use of the gifts of tongue actually may cause reproach to the church. Improper use of the gifts of tongue may cause reproach of the church and the people may think that we lost our mind. We are our mind, as St. Paul said, we are crazy, mad, lost our minds. And that's why St. Paul regulates how the gifts, especially the gift of tongue and prophecy, should be used in a church. And because he was giving some instruction about the order in church, he also gave some commandments about the place about the place of women in worship and in teaching. So let's start from verse 1, understanding this chapter. And I know many of us meet people 
who claim that they speak in tongues and they use this chapter, uh, but good understanding of this chapter will help us how to talk with these people who claim that they have the gift of tongue. Verse 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. After St. Paul spoke about how love as a fruit of the Spirit is the most excellent way, so lest some people misunderstood him, as if St. Paul saying, don't seek or don't desire spiritual gifts. So St. Paul is emphasizing, although you need to pursue love, but also we need the spiritual gift. Desire spiritual gifts. And usually spiritual gifts are two types. One type we call it miraculous or sign gifts. And the other type is the non-sign gifts. Usually what attracts the people is the miraculous or the sign gifts. For example, gift of teaching and gift of miracles. These are two gifts. Right now, I am teaching here in the church. If you heard that another bishop in the next room, he's performing miracles. What do we expect? I expect that all of you will go to watch the miracles. Because the, the sign gifts actually attract us. But St. Paul is saying, actually, we need to seek what edifies the people, not just the signs and the miracles. The gift of tongues attracted many people. How I start to speak in different languages without learning them. You know, just a gift of, from the Holy Spirit. That's why St. Paul, he said, you need to look for what edifies and what's needed for the proper edification of the church rather than what's miraculous or what is uh, like a sign. That's why he said, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Especially that you may prophesy. Why? The church in Corinth actually placed too high, uh, they esteemed very high the gift of tongues. And actually, they focused all their attention on the gifts of tongue. So St. Paul is trying to tell them, no, actually, maybe the gift of prophecy is better than the gift of tongues. In verse 2 he said, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. If God actually gives me to speak in Chinese, and this gift, why I, I, I received this tongue, the main purpose is to preach in China. So the people in China may know about the good news of salvation. So, 
if I come here among you and start speaking in Chinese, is this going to profit any one of you? No. I'm not speaking to you. Yes, maybe I'm speaking to God. Meaning what? Because this gift is given by the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is working in me while I'm speaking in Chinese. So here I feel the power. Even if I don't understand the meaning of the words, but I feel the power of Spirit in me. But for you, you do not understand anything. That's why he said, he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Because he's communicating spiritually with the Holy Spirit. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. What does it mean? In the Spirit of God, he speaks mysteries, means he speaks things that are unknown and mysterious to the hearers, to the listeners. So I'm saying mysteries because you don't understand what I'm saying. Yes, what I'm saying is by the Spirit of God, but if you don't understand, it will not edify you. Men do not understand him, means it is a known tongue to you, a known tongue to you. Verse 3. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. What does it mean to prophesy? Many people understand prophecy means I am foretelling about the future. I am predicting something will happen in the future. But actually prophecy is more than this. Prophecy actually is revelation from God to us. God speaks to us through the prophets. That's why in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1, St. Paul said, in the former times, God spoke to us through the prophets. In the last days, he's speaking to us in his son, Jesus Christ. So the prophet is the one who is delivering message from God to the people. Not necessarily predicting about the future. Not necessarily foretelling what will happen. But he is communicating a message from God to the people. That's a prophecy. That's why when I prophesy, I speak exhortation edification and comfort to men. When I prophesy means I exhort you, exhort you, I stir your spirit up in order to follow the commandments of God. Or edification, I teach you. I help you how to grow and how to reach spiritual maturity. Or comfort, all of us will go through difficult times because we are living in a world that's corrupted. That's why we need this comfort. And God comforts us through the messages that he sent to us through his people, the prophets. So the prophet is the one who declares the will of God under divine impulse, under the authority of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit will move the person to speak the will of God to the others. Like St. Paul, 
sorry, St. Peter, in the day of Pentecost, when he spoke to the people, actually this, we can consider it a prophecy. He declared to them the will of God. And they asked him, what should we do? He told them, repent and be baptized. This is the will of God. So, in this example, I can say that St. Peter is a prophet. is a New Testament prophet. He is declaring to us the uh, will of God. In the early church, because the New Testament was not written yet, and we don't have writings of church fathers yet. So in the first century, the spirit of prophecy and the gift of prophecy was so active in the church. So under the influence of the Holy Spirit, people start to speak, moved by the Holy Spirit, declaring the will of God to the people. It was very, very needed uh, for them because, as I told you, the New Testament was not written, and uh, the church fathers did not record for us the writing yet. That's why in this early period of the church it was needful that there be these inspired guides uh, in the church, the prophets. And, as I told you, St. Paul spoke that the prophet may speak exhortation, comfort, edification which simply instruction and strengthening the people, uh, exhortation to instruct them, to stir up their spirit, comfort to strengthen them during the difficult time, edification, help them to grow, to reach spiritual maturity. Verse 4, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. If I'm speaking in unknown tongue, I'm speaking Chinese, then because I am under the influence of the Spirit now, while I'm speaking in tongue, maybe I feel edified, because I'm filled with the Spirit when I'm speaking with the Spirit in tongue. But because you do not understand me, I'm not edifying you. That's why St. Paul said, when I speak in unknown tongue, Maybe this will strengthen me, edifies me, comfort me, because I'm under the influence of the Holy Spirit, but I will not benefit you. But when I prophesy in your language, then I edify the church. I, I instruct and help others, not myself only. Uh, so the person who is moved by the Spirit he feels that he is filled of awe, filled with the Spirit of God. So he is strengthened. But when I prophesy, I strengthen others. And sometimes the people who speaks in tongue, although he does not understand the meaning of the words, but he may understand the message. So he cannot interpret the tongue word by word, but the message in general, maybe it's clear to him. Uh, but when I prophesy and you understand me, this is of course better, because uh, I will not edify myself only by edify others. Verse 5. 
I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. St. Paul said, it's my desire that all of you speak in tongues. I'm not uh, condoning this gift. But actually, I'm, I'm not prohibiting this gift. But actually, if you speak in tongue without interpretation, it, is, it will not benefit anybody. But that's why he said, he who prophesies is greater. Greater why? Because he serves the church better. He serves, serves the church better. The unknown tongues were meaningless to the church, while prophecies instructed and built up the church. That's why he put here uh, a condition. If you want to speak in tongue, then you must interpret. Otherwise, it will be useless. If you're going to speak in tongue, it must be interpreted. Verse 6. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophecy, or by teaching? So, the gifts of tongue in the church cannot profit the church unless it does one of these four things. And he mentions four things. What shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, knowledge, prophesy, prophesying, or by teaching? So, actually, I will put them in pairs. I will put revelation with prophesying, and I will put knowledge with teaching. Revelation, it is a supernatural unveiling of divine mysteries and divine truth to me. Here is revelation. God reveals something to me in a supernatural way. Like when John, the beloved, saw the revelation about the end of the days. To communicate this revelation to the people, it's called prophesying. So when God reveals something to me, this is revelation. When I communicate it to you, this is called prophesying. So St. Paul said, if I speak in tongue, but the tongue does not reveal anything to you, and I did not communicate this revelation to you, it will not profit you anything. Knowledge corresponds to doctrine. When God opened my mind to understand the, the doctrines, the faith, the belief system, like the fathers who composed us the creed. The creed actually is not a new addition to the Bible. It is explanation about what's mentioned in the Bible. It summarizes what's mentioned in the Bible. But who wrote the creed? People who have the gifts of knowledge, like St. Asanishis. You know, God gave him this knowledge in order to compose the creed, to understand the scripture and to compose the creed. But then, that is the knowledge, correspond to doctrine. Teaching, when I explain 
or this knowledge I communicated to the people. For example, when Sir Athanasius composed the creed, this knowledge, when he explained the creed to the people, this is teaching. So St. Paul is saying, if the tongue does not serve one of these four things, revelation, new revelation from God, prophesying, communicating this to the people, knowledge, understanding of doctrines, teaching, explaining the truth of salvation to the people, then tongue is, uh, has no purpose. It's useless. Verse 7. St. Paul is trying to say, even things without life, like musical instrument, there is no life in the musical instrument. But actually, each instrument should send a certain message. And we should understand this message. Otherwise, it will be very confusing. And he gave a very, very good example here. He said, even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what's piped or played? So, if you have flute, trumpet, a harp, actually there is distinction between the sound of each instrument. And maybe when I hear the trumpet, I know there is war. When, when I, I hear the harp, I know there is like a celebration, joyful occasion. So St. Paul is saying, if there is no distinction between the voice, the sound of the trumpet, and the sound of the harp, how would you know whether we should go to war or we should celebrate together? So even the musical instrument that gives forth a sound, such as a pipe or a harp, the chief musical instrument of Greeks, uh, they used in Greece these two pipe and harps, must give distinction of sound if one would know what's played. So in the same way, the tongues that given by the Spirit should be interpreted. Otherwise, how can I understand the message from God? Unless I understand what the trumpet sounds, you know, how would I know this is a retreat or a march or, or war? That's why in verse 8 he said, For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? If the sound of the trumpet became similar to a harp, how would I prepare myself for the battle? Usually when, they, when at that time, when they heard the sound of the trump, they knew the, it's war, it's battle. People get ready for the battle. But if the trump sounds like a harp, maybe people start to dance, to celebrate. That's why each musical instrument should make distinction. Otherwise, it will be sound in air. In the same way, tongues must be interpreted. If I'm saying just any words and nobody understands me, then how is this going to profit you? Verse 9. So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words 
easy to understand. Again, words easy to understand. Unless it's a condition. Unless uh, you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. Nobody will understand you as if you are speaking into the air. Uh, on the speech in the air when there is no distinction between these words. Actually, the message is very clear. And I don't know how the Pentecostal until now, they speak in unknown tongues without interpretation and they say it's a sign of uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit. St. Paul, very, very clear, 2,000 years ago he said, unless by tongue you speak words easy to understand, you are speaking in the air. It's very clear how people claim until now just to speak in unknown tongues. Verse 10, there are, it may be, so many kinds of language in the world, and none of them is without significance. So St. Paul is speaking here, make it very clear. Tongues doesn't mean blah, 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 any, any just words. Tongues means actually spoken language. Spoken language. For example, I speak in Chinese, I speak in Japanese, I speak in a certain language that is understandable. That's why he said, maybe there are so many kinds of language in the world, but none of them without significance. None of them without significance. So if I'm speaking to, in tongue, I should interpret the tongue, otherwise it is meaningless. Therefore, verse 11, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. St. Paul said, Christ came to unite us, to make us one body. So do you think Christ will give us tongue to make us foreigner to one another? Do you think the Spirit who should unite all of us, so the Spirit will give us tongues, so you will be foreigner to me and I'll be foreigner to you? As if splitting us and confusing us instead of uniting us. Then as if the Spirit is working against himself. Instead of uniting us, now he is confusing us because he is making us foreigner to one, one another. That's why St. Paul said interpretation is necessary to be joined with the gift of tongue. Because if you speak to one another and you don't understand me and I don't understand you, as if you know we are foreigner to each other uh, and make us uh, not understanding as if we are not speaking to one another. Verse 12, even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for edification of the church that you seek to excel. St. Paul said, I know you have seen, and you want to have spiritual gifts. I know you have this zeal, but make this zeal directed toward the edification of the church. Seek rather those gifts that will build up the church, like prophesying and teaching, not the gifts that may be just for the purpose of showing off. Now I'm speaking in tongue. 
That's why he said, no, you need, yes, I know you have seal, but you need to seek uh, for the, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel, you seek to grow, you seek to be built up. Verse 13, therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. St. Paul in, in chapter 12, he spoke about the gift of interpretation. So, if I'm speaking in tongue, I pray to the Holy Spirit to give me interpretation or to give somebody else the gift of interpretation to interpret the tongue so you understand what I'm speaking to you. Uh, so he asked, let him pray that he may obtain the gift of interpreting, which will make them edifying to the church. When my tongue will be interpreted, then actually you will be edified. Verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Assume God gives me now the gifts of speaking in the Chinese. And I start to pray. Here, I, as I explained in the beginning, I feel the, the, the influence of the Holy Spirit in me. I'm moved by the Spirit. So my Spirit actually communicates with God. So my Spirit prays. But my understanding, because I don't understand my words, is fruitless. My understanding doesn't have any fruit from my prayer. Uh, that's why when I pray in the church in a strange tongue, uh, the gift and inspiration which the Spirit gives me does its part, but to me only, but not to all of you. Because if I'm speaking in tongue and you don't understand me, then my eyes pray in spirit, but you don't benefit anything. Verse 15. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, I will also sing with understanding. Because no fruit will come to the church if I speak in unknown tongue. And I have to use my understanding as well as my Spirit. That's why St. Paul said, here we should, I pray with my spirit and with my understanding. Also, when I chant or sing to the Lord, I chant with my spirit and chant with my understanding. Otherwise, verse 16, if you bless with the spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say Amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say. If I am saying, you know, God, we thank you, in a language you don't understand, how are you going to say Amen? How are you, go are you going to agree with my thanksgiving and be witness of my thanksgiving if you don't understand? If the deacon said, greet one another, uh, with a holy kiss, in a language that you don't understand. How would you greet one another? That's why 
and Paul seeing that the whole church must agree and witness to the person who speaks, that's why uh, they have to understand the language that's spoken. But if a non-language or a non-tongue is used, when we praise the Lord, the hearer are not edified and even they cannot respond to my thanksgiving. Verse 17, for you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. So, I give thanks because I'm speaking in the spirit, but if you don't understand, you are not edified. So the tongue here will be meaningless and useless. Verse 18, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. St. Paul was concerned lest some people may interpret uh, his stand from the tongues because he does not speak tongues. So maybe he is jealous of them. That's why he took this stand against speaking in tongue. That's why St. Paul said no. I thank God I speak tongues more than you all. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. But he set himself as an example. Although he speaks in tongue, but he is seeking what edifies the church. So as if he is saying, your ambition and your zeal to speak in tongue is not in its place. Uh, because everything should be done for edification. That's why he said, I thank God I speak with tongues more than you all, yet in the church I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. What's better, to speak five words and you understand me or to speak 1,000 words in tongue and you don't understand. No, actually we should seek what edifies the people, not actually what uh, edifies oneself only. Then actually from verse 20 to 25, St. Paul spoke about how tongues are a sign to the non-believers. Tongues are sign to the non-believers, not to the believers. Verse 20. Brethren, do not be children in understanding, however in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. He's saying, in your understanding, I expect you to use mature sense and mature judgment in the church, because if you are mature, you will choose what edifies the church not what edifies myself only. That's why he told them, I want you to be mature and not to be children in your understanding. I want you to be mature in your understanding. But lest some people will uh, question him and telling him, but the Lord said, unless you convert it and be like children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So he said, yes, I want you to be babes, and children, not in understanding, but in malice, in evil. I want you to have the purity 
of the children in Mal in evil. But in understanding, I want you to be mature and to use sound judgment. So as if St. Paul is saying, to battle in a tongue is like a child. This is a childish act, not an act of a person filled with the spirit. And this is totally against what the Pentecostal teach. Because they teach if you are filled with the spirit, you need to speak in tongues. But St. Paul is saying, if you speak in unknown spirit, this is childish. Don't be child in your understanding. To vainly choose a course that would merely excite wonder and not edify would seem to partake of malice rather than love. So as if St. Paul implying, not only if I am speaking in tongue is a child's act, but also as if I am partaking in malice because I am ignoring the rest of the people who do not understand and who cannot praise the Lord with me and showing off my language. That's why he said it is part of malice, not part of love. And he reminded them with a verse mentioned in Isaiah 22, 28, verse 11 and 12. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to their people, to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me. Because the people of Israel grew in, in sin, so God actually delivered them to captivity. And they, when they were taken captive to Assyria, actually they heard unknown tongues to them. So actually these unknown tongues were like a punishment from God to the Jewish people. That's why he told them, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to these people. I will speak to them in unknown language because they will be carried as captive to these countries. So this was a punishment. And it, it was a sign for them to repent and return back to God. But yet, for all that, they will not hear me. And in spite of this discipline, they did not hear God and they did not return back to God. So the Jews were told that for their sins, they would be carried into the Assyrian captivity where they would hear strange tongues. And this was a judgment from God, punishment from Him. That's why St. Paul is saying, do not force it in the church to listen to strange tongues. Because this was used as a punishment to the children of Israel. So don't force it in the church to make people listen to strange tongues, which serve to remind of the judgment of Israel. Then St. Paul answered a very important question. If you are speaking against tongue like this, why God give us tongues then? He answered, tongues were given to the unbelievers, to preach the unbelievers. That's why in verse 22 he said, Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. 
But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Tongues are intended for a sign to unbelievers. Why? To engage their attention and convince them that this message is from God. When, for example, say, you know, I don't speak Chinese, and I, I start speaking Chinese to them without going to uh, school or without, without learning the language, they will know that God is speaking through me. So the message I'm delivering, the good news of salvation, is from God. But why he said prophesying is not for the unbeliever? Why prophesying is not for the unbeliever? Because it has no effect on them. It has no effect on them. Because they don't believe in God. So if I am coming to you, I'm telling you I have revelation from God to you. You don't believe in God, so you will not believe me. But for those who believe, then the prophecy, the declaration of the revelation of God will nurture you, will nourish you, will help you. That's why he said prophecy spiritually nourishes those who believe, but prophesying is not intended to the non-believers. Verse 23. Therefore, if the Holy Church comes together in one place and only speak with tongues and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your minds? St. Paul said, again, the gifts of tongue, if abused, actually it will bring reproach to the church. It will make the people think that you are crazy, out of your mind. For example, if you are here in America, and then one bud speaking in Chinese, and one bud speaking in Japanese, and another speaking in Korean, and we don't understand each other. And then some people came, non-believers, and entered the church, and saw this. They would say, you are crazy. They are out of their minds. What they are doing? Nobody understands uh, the other. That's why uh, St. Paul said, uh, this may actually confuse the non-believers. God gives the gift of tongue actually to preach and to engage the non-believers, but by you abusing the tongues, we may actually distract them and make them think that the Christians are crazy and out of their minds. So the gift of tongues without the gift of prophecy is not only unprofitable to the faithful, but also hurts very much both the faithful as well as the unfaithful, who should be one in the public assemblies. And here if unbelievers enter, this public assembly should be an opportunity to win these unbelievers. But if the tongues are not interpreted, it will hurt us because we'll be foreigner to one another, and it will hurt the unbelievers because they will think that we are crazy out of our minds. So, by abusing the tongue, the believer will seem to others to be crazy. And the non-believers will not be instructed or edified by the tongue. Verse 
24. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all. St. Paul is giving us the other scenario. When all of us speaking revelation from God, but in a known language, so everybody understands what the Holy Spirit, what this divine impulse is revealing to us. The believers will be edified. The unbelievers will be actually convicted and convinced. They will be convinced and convicted. That's why he said to prophesy is better than to speak in tongue. He is convinced by all, he is convicted by all means. His state and character are laid bare by the speakers. So, as St. Paul would say, you know, the intention of his heart will be uh, uncovered. So, he will know he needs a savior. He will know that I am nothing without Christ. So I'll be convinced and convicted by all and believe in Christ and return to Christ. Verse 25. And thus, the secrets of his heart are revealed. Many times when we come to the church and hear a sermon or we read a book and, and you know, it, it touches my heart. And I, 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 as if this book speaks about me. Many people say, we went to ch today to the church as if Abuna was speaking about me. No. Here that was St. Paul meant, the secrets of his heart are revealed. What's the reaction? So, falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. So when unbeliever, or a believer actually, feel that God is speaking to him through you, then... Uh, he will find himself face to face to God. And he knows that he needs God in his life. So uh, he will fall down worshiping the Lord and confessing that God is truly among you. Or the God that you worship is the true and only God. Many times, as I told you, when we hear a sermon, we believe that Abuna is speaking or knows my life or speaking about me. That's how the Holy Spirit actually stirs up my conscience in order uh, for the secrets of my heart to be uh, revealed in front of me. And the reaction, he will worship God announcing that the God who is in you is the true God, the true and only God. After St. Paul finished, his argument about why to prophesy is better than to speak in tongues, from verse 26 to the end of the chapter, he gives some instruction about order in the church. Order, because God's not God of chaos, God's God of order. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. So, St. Paul said, when you come together in public assembly to worship the Lord in the church, what course you should pursue? Actually, uh, when they came together, there was no order. 
In Quran, when they came together, there was no structure for the worship. So, somebody came purposing to sing a psalm. Another came to teach. Another came with a prophecy. Another came with revelation. Another came want to speak in tongue. Another came want to interpret. But St. Paul said, no. We have to have structure. Everything has to be organized. Let everything be done into edification. Because if somebody coming to worship with his own agenda, with his own plan, it will be confused. There will be confusion here. That's why it's important to have structure and to be done into edification. <coughs> Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two, or at most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. So St. Paul is saying, what is not intending toward edification, we should leave it out. When he said, if somebody speaks in tongue, uh, if somebody speaks in tongue, let there be two or three. Two or three, uh, there was uh, two opinions about what are two three. Some scholars interpret this verse, so two or three maximum to speak in tongue, not more than this. But others said, St. Paul is saying, he can say two or three sentences, and then one interpret. And then he speaks two or three sentences, and then one interpret. So he cannot just give a speech uh, in a tongue, and then one interpret. So we can take either uh, interpretation of this verse. So it can mean one or two or maximum three can use the gift of tongue one after another, but there has to be interpreter. And St. Paul said, if there is no interpret, interpreter, let him be silent in the church. So in order to speak in tongue, somebody should interpret the tongue. But if there is none to explain, let him that has the gift speak to himself alone. As he said in verse 28, but if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Just speak to himself and God. But don't speak in tongue if there is no interpretation. If there is no interpretation, be silent. Verse 29, let two or three prophets speak and let the other judge. Because I may say I have proofs from God, but maybe it is a strange spirit. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's a spirit of lie, a false spirit. That's why St. Paul said, when somebody prophesy, we have to have judgment, to judge the teaching, judge the, the prophecy, whether it fits the teaching of Christ or not. Let the other discern whether they speak by inspiration of the Holy Spirit or not. And apparently in Corinth, when somebody has revelation, he couldn't hold himself, he just won't speak. So St. Paul said, no, 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 this will make chaos in the church. That's why he said, verse 30, but if anything 
is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. So let us take turns. If I'm speaking right now and God revealed something to you, then I'll be silent so you'll take your part. So nobody will take the whole time. So let's speak turn. So if a prophetic impulse comes upon a hearer, the first one who speaks, let him hold his peace, be silent, so the other person may uh, speak. Verse 31. For you can all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be encouraged. Suppose as if teaching them the art of communication. When you speak, don't speak ten together at the same time. Even if it's by inspiration, speak one by one, one by one. If for you can prophesy one by one, that you all may learn and may be encouraged. Because if ten speaking at the same time, nobody can understand, nobody can learn, nobody will be edified, nobody will be encouraged. That's why when somebody speaks, others should listen. Just let me finish. All, all who have the prophetic gift can prophesy, but it must be one by one, in order, one uh, by one. And, uh, and then St. Paul said, some people would argue and say, but you know, when I have the impulse of the Spirit, I cannot hold my, myself. I have to speak instantly. St. Paul said, no, that's not true. In verse 32, he said, and the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Subject means under the control of the prophet. So don't say, now I have this impulse to speak. This actually will be impulsive behavior. You need actually to be able to control because the spirit of prophets are subject, are under the control of the prophet. So St. Paul is saying the prophet can wait his turn in silence. He is not compelled to speak at once for his spirit is subject, is under control to him. He can be silent if he wants to. He can be silent if he wills to. Uh, verse 33, for God is not the author of confusion but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Such confusion is not actually a sign of the church of God. God is author of peace, not author of confusion. If more than one person speaking at the same time, this is not from God, because God demands peace and order in all the churches of the saints. So for the church of God, we need to keep the church organized in order, not con uh, in confusion and chaos. Then from verse 34, St. Paul spoke about women, women in the church. Verse 34, let your women keep silent in the churches. For they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. Here speaking about women speaking in public. In public means in the official meeting of the church, like in the divine liturgy, 
like in, in, in Vespers, like in, in, in Matins, in any liturgical meeting. St. Paul said women should not speak in liturgical meeting. Why? When we speak, there is authority. But God actually said to Eve that she will submit to Adam. And women should submit to, women, to men. That's why uh, in order to keep the hierarchy that God set in order, that's why women are not permitted to speak in public in official meeting of the church. Also speaking in public is act of independence. She is not submitted to her husband. So that's why the law, when St. Paul said, as the law teaches, so when he said the law, this is not cultural. Because many people say St. Paul taught this because of the culture at Corinth. But here St. Paul is not speaking about culture, speaking about the law. He said, let your women keep silent in the church, for they are not permitted to speak, for they are to be submissive, as the law also says. The law says. And here the law is referring to Genesis 3.16, when God actually in the punishment of Eve uh, and how God actually put the order and the hierarchy in the family. But here, when I'm using the word hierarchy, hierarchy in the function, not in the honor. In the honor, women and men are equal. Actually, some women became higher than men and higher than angels and archangels like Saint Mary, the mother of God. So in honor, we have a woman like Saint Mary elevated more the cherubim and seraphim. But in function, actually, St. Mary did not assume any uh, priestly position. And she submitted to the law. And she kept the days of purification, also she didn't need it. So, as, in, in, as a function, St. Mary respected her role as a woman. Actually, not many words written about St. Mary in the Bible. Although, if she won't write a gospel, she should be able to write a gospel. She, she left with Christ all her life, but she didn't write a gospel. But who wrote the gospels? The apostles. So St. Mary, in honor, she was elevated above men and women. But in function, she respected the law of God, the teaching of the scripture. That's why St. Paul said, let women... Keep silent in the church, for they are not permitted to speak, for they are to be submissive, as the law also says. But St. Paul was very, very smart, intelligent, and also inspired by, by the Spirit. So he anticipated objection, anticipated argument from the women. What if uh, we do not understand something? Uh, can we ask a question in public? So St. Paul actually uh, answers this question. Before they the, the argue with him, what if we don't understand anything? Can we ask questions in public in order to learn? St. Paul said no. In verse 35, he said, But if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home. For it is shameful for women to speak in the church. So he said, if you want information, Ask not in public, but at home, ask not other men, but your own particular husband. 
because it is inappropriate, it is shameful to speak in the church. No, you cannot ask me. Uh, then actually, uh, verse 36, uh, because he expected argument from the church in Corinth, that's why he told them, or did the word of God come originally from you, or was it you only that it reached? So, lest the Corinthian uh, seem to themselves that they are only the wise church, because Greece, the, the country of philosophy, maybe they would argue with St. Paul the instruction that he said about tongues, prophecy, women in the church. So he said, you know, I want you to know your position. You are not the church from which the word of salvation originated, because the word of salvation came from the church in Jerusalem. And also, you are not the only church that received the word of salvation, because it reached everybody. So be humble. Be humble, because did the word of God come originally from you? So you claim that you know the truth, and you argue with, with what I'm telling you? Or was it you only that it reached? Verse 37. If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. So St. Paul actually want to finish every, every argument here. He told them, if you think that you are a prophet, means you have message from God, or you are spiritual, moved by the Spirit, or you are wise because you are in Corinth, and you would argue my teaching, I want to tell you that what I am telling you is the words of the, of the Lord. Words of the Holy Spirit. So nobody can come now and say what St. Paul said, uh, he is uh, anti-women, or he is uh, chauvinist, or he... No, no. St. Paul is saying very clearly, what I am saying is the teaching of the Holy Spirit. Let him know, let him acknowledge that the things what, which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. That's why there is no priesthood for women. That's why women cannot read in the church during the liturgical uh, events of the church. Uh, what if somebody would insist uh, on his argument? St. Paul said, I can do nothing for him. If he insists to be ignorant or stubborn, let him choose this for himself. So if anyone is ignorant, ignorant means he doesn't want to accept the truth of the scripture. Let him be ignorant. If he insists to be ignorant or stubborn and argue the rules that I set, that God set through me, let him remain so. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. So he concluded by praising prophesying, because prophesying will edify the church, and emphasizing the order in the church of God, but he said, I'm not forbidding, lest some people will misunderstand me as if I'm forbidding speaking in tongues. No, I'm not forbidding speaking in tongues. Do not forbid speaking in tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. Decently, each and every individual to be decent 
And in order, the whole church should keep the worship and the structure uh, organized and done in order because God is not an author of confusion but author of peace. Uh, and St. Paul thus concluded his teaching about the uh, uh, spiritual gift, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. If you have any questions, I'm going to ask